اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم فلما فصل طالوت بالجنودی Now what happened? فَلَمَّا then when فَصَلَ طَالُوتِ فَصَلَ فَصَدْلَمْ فَصَلَ is to depart, to set out. فَصَلْ literally means to separate one thing from the other. It's the opposite of وَصَلْ وَصَلْ is to join and فَصَلْ is to separate. So فَصَلَ He separated, meaning he set out from where he was. Who? طَالُوتِ And he set out with who? Biljunudi, with the troops. Junud is a plural of jund, and it's used for soldiers. So junud, soldiers, troops. He set out with his troops, with his soldiers. Why? For the purpose of battle. When he set out, qala, he said, he said to the people, that in Allah, indeed Allah, mubtalikum. He is one who tests you. Allah is going to test you. Mubtalikum from the root letters balam wow from the word bala. Bala is test. Wafidalikum balaun mir rabbikum alim. Right? A great trial. So mubtali is one who tests, one who puts another to trial. So when they set out, Talut warned the Bani Israel that look, Allah is going to test you. This shows the intelligence of who? Of Talut. He was a very intelligent and wise person. He knew how the Bani Israel had been previously. That they went and they requested to their Prophet that please, we want to fight, appoint a king for us. And when the king was appointed, when they were told to fight, they refused. So he knew that the Bani Israel had this habit. He knew their psychology, understood them. So this is the reason why he mentally prepared them from before. That look, such and such is going to happen. Now be careful. When the test comes, don't fail. He made it very clear to them that look, Allah is going to test you. This is just like when you enrolled in the course you were told, you know, it was clear to you that you were going to be tested. So, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مُبْتَلِيكُمْ He warned them that Allah is going to test you. Why is Allah going to test you? When a person goes out in the way of Allah, Allah tests him. Why does Allah test a person? Hasn't he already shown his commitment by going forth? What do you think? Why is it that Allah tests people? When they pass the test, their ranks will be increased. Good. To test their true intentions, the inner state of their heart, how determined are they? Are they doing it just to show off for some other reason or really for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So, Allah tests people when they go out in His way. Why? First of all, especially in this case, was to see who is patient and who is not patient. Because this army was going to fight a great battle, was going to fight a huge enemy. An enemy that was much stronger, much more powerful than them. This is just like when the Muslims were going for the battle of Badr. How strong was the enemy? Much stronger. So Allah tested them to see who would be patient and who is not patient. And remember that battle, it requires sabr from a person. وَالصَّابِرِينَ فِي الْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ وَحِينَ الْبَأْسِ That requires a lot of sabr. And secondly, to distinguish the obedient from the disobedient. That who is going to obey the leader? 
and who is not going to obey the leader. To make it very clear at the beginning. This is just like at the battle of Uhud. When the Muslims were leaving for the battle, before they left, there was a discussion amongst the Prophet ﷺ and the people that how should the battle be fought? Should it be fought from within Medina or outside of Medina? Meaning should the Muslims just defend Medina or should they go out somewhere and fight the enemy? So some were saying that no, we should just defend Medina and others were saying that no, we should go out and fight. The final decision was that we go out and fight. But when the Muslims left to go out to fight, some of them who were hypocrites, like Abdullah ibn Ubay, what did they say? That, oh, we wanted to fight from inside Medina. You didn't listen to us, so we're going back. We're not going to listen to you, and we're going back. So they left the Prophet ﷺ, they abandoned them, and they went back home. That was a test. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have told the Prophet ﷺ himself that you have to go outside of Medina and fight. But why did this discussion take place? Why? It was a test to see who is going to obey the Prophet and who is not going to obey him. So likewise, the Bani Israel were also tested. Who is going to obey Talut's instructions and who is not going to obey Talut's instructions? Because when it comes to the leader, we have to obey the leader. And look at the test. What was the test? That Allah is going to test you bi naharin with a river. Nahar and har we have done before with a river. What's the test? That faman, so whoever, shariba, he drank, minhu, from it, whoever drinks from the river, falaysa minni, then he is not of me. Shariba, shin raba, sharab, to drink. Whoever drinks from the river is not of me, meaning he does not belong to my group. He cannot carry on with me, he cannot continue with me, he is not upon the same manhad, the same group as I am of. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَطْعَمْهُ And whoever does not consume it, يَطْعَمْهُ From طَاعَيْن مِين طَعَام is used for food, whether it is in liquid form or solid form. So, وَمَنْ لَمْ يَطْعَمْهُ And whoever does not consume that water from the river, فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي Then indeed he is from me. So in other words, the test was that people were not allowed to drink from the river. Now imagine, an army is traveling. They don't have water bottles like we do. And they're going on. Obviously, when they're going to come across a river, fresh water, what are they going to do? They're going to drink. But the leader tells them that, look, if you drink, you can't continue with me. And if you don't drink, then you can continue with me. But come on, be realistic. They're thirsty. They're tired. They're going for a battle. They need to drink. So they were allowed how much? Illa except whoever scooped غرفتن, a handful بيديه, with his hand اغترف, غرفتن, from the root letters غين, رافة. غرفة is a handful something that you can take in the palm of your hand something that you can take in the palm of your hand so اغترف, he ladles he takes a handful in the palm of his hand and then he drinks only that much. This much is allowed, but beyond that, you're not allowed to drink. If you drink two, three handfuls of water, then you can't continue with me. If you drink only one, then you can continue. And if you drink nothing, then of course you can continue that way as well. This was a test. A small thing, 
apparently small thing, but it was a test that who is going to listen to the leader and who is not going to listen to the leader. Many times it happens that we receive instructions that make no sense to us. Or we think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. For example, if we are told that, you know, in class we have to wear the white hijab, that's the uniform. We might say, what's the big deal? Why do I have to wear white hijab? You know, I'm just going to wear purple, I'm just going to wear pink, I'm just going to wear red, I'm just going to wear black, whatever I find easy, whatever I find convenient, I'm just going to wear that. But tell me, if we don't follow the rules in these small, small matters, you think we can follow the rules in big, big matters? Can we? No, we can't. So these little, little things, they matter. These little things, they show the attitude of a person. That is he obedient or is he not? Does he comply or does he rebel? Does he obey or does he refuse? These little, little things matter. And this is very clear that those people who take care of small details, who obey even the small instructions, they're the ones who are able to accomplish greater things. They're the ones who on average are obedient. So never belittle any instruction that is given from any leader. Whether it is your parents, or your boss, or your teacher, or you're in charge, whatever. It doesn't matter. Every rule, every instruction matters. Because that will either lead you to further obedience, or it will lead you to further disobedience. So, إِلَّا مَنْ اِغْتَرَفَ غُرْفَةً What was the reaction of the people? فَشَرِبُوا مِنْهُ So they drank from it. The majority of the people, they drank from it. How much did they drink? A lot. فَشَرِبُوا مِنْهُ إِلَّا except قَلِيلًا مِنْهُمْ Just a few of them. Only a few of them did not drink a lot. How much did they drink? Only a handful or less than that or nothing at all. فَشَرِبُوا مِنْهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِنْهُمْ Ibn Abbas he commented that whoever took some of it, meaning whoever took some of the water and drank just a little bit, meaning only a handful, he quenched his thirst. He was satisfied. And those who drank freely from it, their thirst was not quenched. They were not satisfied. And this is like a punishment. You know, sometimes it happens that a person is fasting. And because they are fasting, even when other people are extremely thirsty, extremely tired, extremely hungry, they're fine. They're fine. And other people, they can't have enough. They cannot eat enough. They cannot drink enough. They keep eating. They keep resting. They keep sleeping. And the person who's fasting, he's okay. Why? Because the one who tries to be patient, Allah gives him patience. Whoever tries to be patient, Allah gives him patience. And the one who doesn't, then he remains impatient. And he's never satisfied. So, فَشَرِبُوا مِنْهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِنْهُمْ فَلَمَّا جَاوَزَهُ Then when he crossed it, meaning when Talut, he crossed the river. جَاوَزَ From the root letters, جِيم وَاو زَاي To cross. So when they crossed the river, هُوَ He meaning Talut, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ And also those people who were with him, who believed with him. Because I want you to look back. The mala came 
on behalf of the entire Bani Israel to the Prophet, appoint a king for us, we want to fight. Fighting was imposed on them, what happened? Majority of them said, we're not going out. So how many went? Only a third. Now that one third is coming, and they are tested, and what happens? Majority of them drinks, and qalil do not drink. So you have a third, and now of that third, you have how much left? A third. Now these people who are going forth with who? With Talut, فَلَمَّا جَاوَزَهُ هُوَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ قَالُوا They said, لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا الْيَوْمِ We have no طَاقَةَ today. We have no strength today. We are so tired. We are so exhausted. طَاقَةَ طَا وَوْقَافْ Strength. We have no strength اليوم today, meaning this day, when we have to face the enemy, بِجَالُوت to face جَالُوت وَجُلُودِ and his troops. When they cross the river and they're facing the enemy, they said, oh, we have no strength to face the enemy. Just imagine how that group is shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. Every step of the way, every test that comes, only a few are left. The majority fails the test. Do you see that? The majority fails the test. Now from those who passed the test of the river, when they came, majority of them said, oh, we have no strength to fight today. They had almost given up. You would think that they would be very courageous and very confident and they would you know, be very zealous, but you can see their zeal. You can see their enthusiasm, how it's dwindled away. They said, لا now what happened? The select few, the only, the very, very few individuals who had passed every step until now, they said, Qala, he said, who? Alladina yazununa. Those people who were certain. They were certain of what? That annahum, that indeed they, mulaqullah, they're going to meet Allah. Mulaqu, plural of mulaqin, from the root letters lam qafiya. Laqiya to meet. Mulaqin, one who meets. So those people who were certain that they were going to meet Allah, they said, Kamin fi'atin. How many a group? How many? Come means how many? It's actually a question, but it's also used to show the great numbers. They said, How many a group of qalilatin, of a few people? Meaning, how many times has it happened that a group of a few people, they have ghalabat, they have overpowered, fi'atan, a group of kathiratan, many. But how? Bi'idhnillah, with the permission of Allah. Fi'ah, from the root letters, fa'ya, hamza, fa'ya is to return, and fi'ah is used for a group of people, the members of which keep returning to each other, for cooperation, for working together. So, how many times has it happened in history that there is a group of only a few individuals and they are victorious over a group of who? A group of who? Many in their number. Few people have been victorious over many. How many times has this happened? Why are they saying this? To boost the confidence of the rest of them. So it is the responsibility of those who have confidence to keep encouraging who? Those who are losing that confidence. So if ever a friend of yours comes and says, you know what, this course is getting too difficult for me. 
Now we have the test coming up. I can't study, man. I have university to do. I have a family to look after. I can't do this. So what's your responsibility? What's your responsibility? You say, yeah, you're right. You know, too difficult. I'll skip the test. You skip it too. Yeah? Is that what we should do? No. We should tell them, Allah will help you. How many times has it happened that people are doing so many things, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them the tawfiq to be successful in whatever they're doing? It happens that people are overburdened with many tasks, but Allah helps them. So you manage your time better, study, and inshallah Allah will make you successful. So it's our responsibility to make others confident, to boost their morale as well. And to remind them that success comes not because of us, but success comes how? بِإِذْنِ With the permission of Allah. A person passes in a test, not because they were fully prepared for it. That is one of the factors, but that's not the only factor. The main factor is that Allah allowed them to pass the test. It happens sometimes that people are studying for years, for months, for weeks, and finally when the time of the test comes, they get sick. Or they forgot that the test was at a particular time, on a particular day. And they walk into the classroom to find out the test is already over. Or they slept in. Allah didn't give them tawfiq to take it. Or that a person felt that he prepared to his best, but when he came and saw the test, it was like completely new stuff for him. And another person who did study, but could not study that much, for whatever reason, sickness or being extremely busy, but they did their best, and when they come to take the test, Allah helps them. So you have to do your part, and you also have to expect help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are two things that are very, very important. Either we fail in doing our part, or we fail in depending on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Two things are very, very important. Do your best. Do whatever that you can to the best of your ability. Study, prepare, work hard, strive, struggle. You have to do that. And at the same time, don't depend on your efforts. Depend on the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I will be successful at this with the permission of Allah inshallah. So they reminded the rest of the people that come in fi'atin qalilatin, ghalabat fi'atan kathiratan bi'idnillah. It's not because of your numbers that you can be successful. It's because Allah will allow you to be successful. Only then you can be victorious over here. But what's the quality of these people? Alladina yaghununa annahum mulaqullah. They were certain that they were going to meet Allah. This quality in a person, this conviction that I am going to meet Allah, this makes a person brave. This makes a person courageous. This gives a person confidence that nothing at all can give him in this entire world. Nothing at all. That a person feels that ultimately I have to meet Allah. And if I am hurting, if I'm suffering, if I'm aching, if I'm exhausted, Allah will reward me. I am going to meet Him. Allah is going to reward me for every single effort of mine. And if a person feels that he's going to have nothing left, like for example, in this story, they were going out for battle, and it was like walking in the mouth of death, quite literally. So again, what is it that gave them bravery? That we are eventually going to die and meet Allah. So we are going to die, so why 
worry. Death is going to come eventually. So why worry? We have to go. Might as well go in the path of Allah. So this yaqeen, this certainty that I am going to meet Allah, this gives a person sabr, this gives a person steadfastness, this gives a person hope, this keeps a person going. Then a person does not look at others for help, rather he looks at Allah for help. He seeks help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know sometimes, their sisters who come up to me and they share with me about how much effort they have to put in, in order to do even a little bit, you know, study of the Qur'an or anything like that, volunteer any good cause, how much they have to struggle. And really, it is a great struggle for many, many women. Because they have to wake up very early. They're not sleeping after Fajr. No way. They can't even think about it. And from the moment they wake up until the moment they come to class, they are working, working, working non-stop. Either they're feeding the kids, or they're getting the kids ready, or they're feeding their husbands, or they're cleaning up the house, or they're doing the laundry. They're doing a thousand things at a time. Or they're driving. Sometimes they even forget to have breakfast themselves. And with kids sometimes, you have to pull the car seats, and you have to put the kids in, and you have to carry the bags. And You know, sometimes I look at some mothers when they're coming, they have bags with them. Bags with them. Not just one bag, but multiple bags. And I think to myself that nobody can understand the pain that you're experiencing, that your back is hurting, yet you have to carry that bag. Your hands must be aching, but you still have to carry your child. You must want to go to sleep, but you're still sitting through class. Who knows about every pain that you're feeling? Allah knows. People can't even understand. People don't have any mercy on you anyway. So don't expect from people, expect from Allah. Have this conviction that one day I am going to meet Him. And as you suffer... Tell yourself, I'm going to meet Allah. Pray to Allah that, Oh Allah, forgive some of my sins for this pain that I'm going through in your cause. Elevate my ranks, make my journey in the hereafter easy for what I'm suffering in your way. For you know and nobody else knows. So we should not seek pity from people, but we should seek reward and help from Allah. But this can only come when a person has this yaqeen that I am going to meet Allah. And Allah does not waste the reward of those who have patience of those who do ihsan. So they said, "Come in fi'atin qaliratin, ghalabat fi'atan kathiratan bi idnillah. Wallahu ma'asabirin." And Allah is with those people who are patient. Asabirin is a plural of sabir, one who does sabr. Allah is with the patient ones. What does it mean that Allah helps them? Allah does not leave them. Allah does not abandon them. Allah is counting and listing every moment that these people are suffering. Every little pain that they're experiencing, every fear, every worry, every concern that comes to their mind. Allah is with them. Allah will not abandon them. Wallahu ma'asabirin. There are many lessons for us in this verse. If you go to the beginning of the ayah, I'd like to discuss them. First of all, we see in the beginning of the ayah that Talut he set out with the rest of the army. He didn't say, okay, you know, I'm the king. So you guys go, I'm here. No. He was with them. He departed, he set out with them. The Prophet ﷺ as well, as a leader, would he just sit there and watch the people? No. He would participate in the journeys. He would participate in the battles. So the point is, that the person 
who is leading others cannot just sit back and relax. He has to strive and struggle as well. Leadership does not mean enjoyment. But what does it mean? Hard work. Yes, people who are working together in a team, every person has their own kind of work to do. It doesn't mean every person does the exact same work. For example, as we are all here, what you have to do is different from what I have to do. What I have to do is different from what you have to do. But every single person has to be involved, including the leader. Every person. Secondly, we also see in this ayah that it is necessary that the best of people, the best of people are chosen, are selected, are allowed to continue for a particular task. There are many people who express their wish. I would love to do the course. I would love to do ta'limul Qur'an. I would love to do such and such. Many people who express their wish and their desire. But everyone does not prove it. Every single person does not fulfill their commitment. So what does it mean? That every sometime people need to be tested and checked. Their progress has to be analyzed. Are they coming regularly? Are they doing their lessons regularly? Are they taking all of their tests or not? Because if everyone who expresses their wish to do something is taken, is selected, is allowed to come along, then what will happen? Because of their weakness or because of their casual attitude, everyone else will be affected as well. Doesn't it happen that if your friend says, I'm going to skip the test, then you think, okay, you know what? I might as well skip it too. Does it happen or not? And if we set this rule, if you skip a test, then that's it. You lose it. You're not allowed to come anymore. You can come as a listener. Or if such a rule is placed that if you miss a test, then for you to take a retest, you have to stay back after school and you have to give such and such fine. Then what happens? You make sure that you want to take the test. Then you make sure that you don't miss it. So anyway, the point over here is, I'm not telling you that you miss a test and you'll be expelled. No. I'm just telling you that for anything that we want to do, we have to be tested. Because if everyone is allowed to come along, regardless of their performance, then this will weaken the entire group. So this is the reason why Talut, he told his people that you will be tested with the nahar, with the river. Another important thing that we learn in this verse is that most people, majority of the people, do not obey Allah. Majority of the people fail the tests that Allah puts them in. And this ayah, this story very clearly illustrates that. How there were so many of them, they came, hundreds and thousands of them who wanted to go fight. And eventually when they left, there were less than 80,000. And then eventually, by the time they were actually fighting, it was about a few hundred of them, according to some reports. And this is the reality. This is the reality that on the Day of Judgment as well, for every thousand people, only one will enter Jannah, and 999 are going to hellfire. These are the statistics of the Day of Judgment. One out of every thousand goes to Jannah and the rest hellfire. Majority of the people are disobedient. 
Majority of the people are unthankful. Majority of the people show ingratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They do not give to Allah what He deserves. They do not respect Him as He should be respected. They do not value Him as He should be valued. They don't fear Him as He should be feared. They don't love Him as He should be loved. This is the state of the majority of the people. And we need to look at ourselves. Many times we do what everyone is doing. We follow the majority. If people are dressing up in this way, we will also dress up in this way. If people are walking in a particular way, we will also walk in a particular way. If people are talking in a particular way, using certain words and expressions, we will also use them. And we follow others without even using our mind. We follow others blindly, without even checking, does Allah like this or not? Does Allah approve of this or not? We're just doing something because we saw it on TV. We're just wearing something because we saw a model wearing it. Or just somebody wearing it on the street. And we don't even check. We don't even think, does Allah approve of it or not? Is this something beloved to Allah or not? We behave in a certain way because this is how everybody behaves. And we tell ourselves, I'm a teenager. All teenagers do this. I'm only 20. Every 20 year old does this. I'm only 15. Every 15 year old does this. So what if every 15 year old does it? So what? We haven't been told to follow the majority. We have been told to follow what? The truth. And if we follow the majority, then remember, our end will be the same as that majority. And what is that? Misguidance. What is that? Hellfire. So start thinking. Use your mind. Don't just copy others. Don't just imitate others. Just because everybody is drinking from the river, it didn't mean that the rest of them also drink. No. Just because some of them said, oh, we are too tired, we can't go along, we can't go anymore, we can't face the enemy. It didn't mean that the rest of them also had to say the same words. They said something different. But we feel afraid. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be different. We just want to mix in, blend in with the rest of the people. We don't want to disagree with the people in any way. This is why we don't use our mind. We don't challenge. Because when the moment we challenge, the moment we stand up, the moment we say something different, then what happens? All eyes come on us. Everyone directs their attention to us. Some may object, some may criticize, some may reprimand, and we don't want to hear anything like that. We don't want to face any such treatment. For example, at school, if we have to walk in with a hijab or pants that are loose, and a shirt, a blouse that is long, we feel very weird. Everybody's wearing those skinnies and those tight shirts, those teeny tiny shirts. And if I walk in with loose pants and with a longer blouse, I won't fit in. I'm not going to look nice. Isn't this the fear that we have? Isn't this something that we think about every day? Yes. When we're putting on our clothes and we're deciding what to wear in the morning, this is what comes to our mind. What should I wear? And if we have to wear the hijab, we might say, oh, I'm going to stand out too much. Everybody's going to make fun of me. But we have to follow the truth, not the majority. And you will be alone at the beginning, but Allah will grant you success. Allah will help you. That even when you're alone, Allah will send you friends. I remember when I went to high school, 
I stopped in the middle in order to do the Al-Huda course, in order to study the Qur'an. And after I completed the course, I was wearing a nibaya, hijab, niqab, okay? And I had to go back to school. And mind you, I was still a teenager. I wasn't like in my 20s. I was in high school. And yes, I was in a Muslim country. But those of you who have been to Muslim countries, you know that they're no different than these societies. In my school, there were people doing drugs. In my school, there were people making out, Muslims. In my school, there were people who did not fast in the month of Ramadan. In my school, were people who did not go for Jumu'ah Salah when it was time for Salatul Jumu'ah. In my school, there were people who were going together in cars, out to eat, coming back, skipping class, using words that are inappropriate. It was no different then compared to places over here. And I was the only one, only one, covered from head to toe. Only individual. I was the only one who did not sit next to a guy. If a guy came sat next to me, I would get up and I would sit somewhere else. Even if it meant the back of the class. I was the only one who would not go with the rest of them to eat after school. To go to some ice cream place or whatever to just have fun, to chill. No, I would not be one of those people. But I feel that because of that, I was able to focus on my studies. And because of that, I left a good image of Islam on the rest of my classmates, on my teachers. That one day my teacher came up to me and he said that my wife wants to meet you. She wanted to meet me and I met her and she said, I want to study Qur'an as well. She wanted to study the Qur'an as well. That one day there was a girl who came up to me and she showed interest in wearing the hijab. And one day she asked me, can I borrow an abaya from you? I would like to give it to a tailor to have something similar stitched. And that same girl became one of my best friends. And if I said, I can't do this, this is too difficult. Nobody wears a hijab, nobody wears an abaya, nobody gets up to pray salah. Then what would happen? I would lose my deen? The point that I'm making over here is that we underestimate ourselves. We underestimate ourselves. We feel that we have to follow the rest of the crowd. We have to do what everybody else is doing. If everybody's on Facebook, I have to be there too. If everybody's going out to eat, even if it's just a pure waste of time, I have to do that too. You don't have to. Who said you have to? Use your mind. Question. Question. Ask. Critically analyze what the society tells you to do. What the people expect from you. Have your own individual identity and be proud of it. Be strong about it. So don't follow the majority because the majority of the people are not obedient to Allah. The majority of the people are disobedient. Just as the majority is ungrateful. Another very important lesson that we learn in this verse is that when a person has iman, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him sabr. Allah gives him patience. Allah gives him courage. Allah helps him to pass every test. When a person has iman, and when a person keeps turning to Allah, asking him for help, not depending on himself, but depending on Allah. Why is it that some people were successful in every test and others kept failing one after the other? Why? Because those who had iman, those who were turning to Allah again and again, were those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped as well. Then we also learned that passing a test, any test that Allah sends your way, 
is not something that is impossible. It is within your capacity, within your ability to pass a test that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you in. So never say, oh, this is too hard. This is impossible. There is no way I can do this. I can't even think about it. No. Never say that. We see that when these people were told, do not drink from the river, they were also told, you may drink, but only how much? A handful. And that was sufficient. That they wouldn't die of thirst then. So every test that Allah puts us through, we are capable of passing it. We are capable of surviving it. Then we also learn in this verse that whatever happens, happens with the idhn of Allah, with the permission of Allah. If we are successful, it's not because we were very strong, because we are very capable. No, it's because Allah allowed us to be successful. If we failed, it's not because we didn't have the numbers, we didn't have the strength. No, it's because Allah allowed us to fail. Whatever happens, happens with the permission of Allah. This is something that we must believe in. At the battle of Hunayn, the Muslims were so many in number, more than the enemy. But what happened? Were the Muslims victorious? No. They actually lost the battle. Open up any surah book and you will find the details. They actually lost the battle initially. And then the Prophet ﷺ called the people. Abbas started calling people. They got together again and then they attacked the enemy and then eventually they were victorious. But initially they failed. Why? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثْرَتُكُمْ When your kathra, when your great numbers deluded you, they impressed you. You were so happy about the fact that you were so great in numbers that you thought we're definitely going to be victorious. And Allah showed you that no matter how strong you are, you can never be successful except with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So over here also we see the very few people fought Jalut. And in the next verse we will learn how they were victorious.